0: Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray. With me, I have my incredible co-host, Drew Haskins. Hi, and we have a very special guest, Vogue culture writer, Emma Spector. What's up? Welcome to the Girls Room. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I would love to hear how you came to the show, Girls, and like about your current rewatch.
1: Oh, amazing. So I... First, I guess I first became aware of Lena Dunham when I saw Tiny Furniture, which, like, I didn't really get the joke that it's about, like, an entitled liberal arts college girly because I was watching it from my dorm room at Kenyon <laughs> College, like, an hour from where Lena Dunham went to college. But after, the, you know, I think as I watched the show, I started to be like, oh, ever, uh, this is not an aspirational content show. <laughs> Everyone's horrible. And then it just, you know, it got really good um and i think at the time that it was on i was reluctant to like i mean I, I didn't think about it that much i don't even know if i watched it all in real time but i think it was like such lena dunham backlash time mm-hmm. that i didn't really i you know watching the show now i'm like oh this thing's good which i know is not a hot take um but i just really kind of undersold how well some of these episodes are because i was both like too close to the material and I think weirdly trying to distance myself
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting like watching season three again especially too I feel like back in 2014 it was peak Lena fatigue like watching this yeah. season and seeing some of the little in jokes especially in these two episodes um it really does feel like kind of a meta commentary on how critics and audiences were responding to the show itself a little bit too like
1: completely yeah.
2: but how do you think it holds up watching in 2023
1: i have had a lot more fun watching it I think mm-hmm. because it's dated and I don't I've been writing for the internet for five years professionally and I think whenever I want I have urge to be like oh god is this something I could turn into clickable content which Mm -hmm. you know great for an artist's soul really recommend it um but re-watching something I just feel like I get to form an opinion about it that's a little less like what will outrage someone about this I sound like a real like anti-cancel culture weirdo (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just seen that you know watching this show when it's not really as much in the zeitgeist is making me just appreciate it more and just feel more kind of like it's not that serious I mean I think there's a lot to say that is serious about what the show presented and, the, you know, lifestyles that it did and didn't include. But I think that that little element of distance and having to either embrace it or, you know, shit, sorry. I love that thought. Um, <laughs> I think not having to either defend or decry an episode on the Internet um, gives you kind of the room to
0: enjoy it, which is what I'm doing on the rewatch. hmm. A really interesting point i mean i feel like a lot of the kind of like Renaissance we're seeing right now mm-hmm. is maybe mm-hmm. the pendulum swinging in the other direction not quite the anti-woke weirdo thing you mentioned but people kind of realizing it's not that deep
1: yeah and like you know, i like, think there's very necessary criticism to be made more to the point i think the kind of people who get a renaissance and who get to just you know forge comebacks mm-hmm. often look like me, Lena Dunham. But mm-hmm. that said, um, I think there is a lot. I think there was a lot placed on her and on the show. It just isn't how straight white dudes shows are evaluated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, free of that kind of representational anxiety, I'm just like, there's some good jokes in here. There's some <laughs> there's some solid plot structure in here.
2: Yeah. One of the things that really makes itself apparent upon rewatching is just how funny this show actually is Mm -hmm. i feel like the cringe aspects of it are the things that get a lot of like retrospective analysis and like a lot of the memes that continue to like circle through the show like the marnie um edie Brickell cover that we're about to talk about like are definitely so rooted in like something so deeply uncomfortable but they're also like screamingly funny (laughs) So funny yeah. and
1: in the way that you kind of cannot yourself in your early to mid 20s, even if you think you can like revisiting that stuff and realizing how funny it is, I feel like it's just a nice, a nice Mm -hmm. healing moment.
2: One thing that I this week, especially I was really thinking about like people were not giving enough credit to the acting and the performances of this cast at the time everyone is so good on this show to the point where I, I don't know why like Emmys were not showered on these people like I know Lena yeah. got nominated like two or three times for acting but like everyone else is so good and I'm like where's the applause where's where's the laughter here <laughs> like
1: I know Alison Williams she really is the star of the episode we're gonna the first episode we're gonna talk about yeah and Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, and, you know, Jemima Kirk might just be, like, vaguely playing herself, but she's nailing it. It's so good.
2: I'm calling it now. And I know it's, like, it's a little, like, hack to predict stuff like this, but I think one of the four is going to be on the next season of White Lotus.
0: Whoa, that's a really good prediction.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Which one? Which one do we think it will be and which one do we want it to be?
1: Ooh, amazing. I can't, I can't, to the, to the point of not wanting to rehash stuff from the early odds, it can't be Lena Dunham. I can't handle it. Yeah. I don't need it. Oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think Marnie, I think Alice Williams is an obvious choice. What about, what about Zosha Mamet? That, she would do
2: a good job. Yep. I, I am on the exact same page. Like Marnie's, or Allison Williams is the first thought, but like, Zosha Mamet, would eat no crumbs on a season of white
1: oh absolutely she maybe had like the best timing i just in the first episode i watched in my rewatch which was um the one where they go to the beach house and she chews Mm -hmm. everyone out and i was like this wouldn't be this would this wouldn't be the best episode if it weren't for that moment and it wouldn't be the best anyway this is someone else's episode to discuss but um yeah she's so good
2: She's so good. There's a moment. Um, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but like, there's a moment when she's talking to Ray outside the bar, and she like puts, she like is trying to like, I guess, suck on her cigarette, and it's not lit anymore, and she's like vaguely annoyed for a minute, and then looks at Ray, and she's like, "Why are you still talking to me?" Or like, it, like it's all yeah, in a look. A I was like, "Oh my god, this is like kind of acting with a capital A." Like, genius. yeah, she's.
0: She's amazing. Which girl are you? Can I
1: ask you guys in return? Mm-hmm. You've probably talked about it many times, but I need to know. Um, I am for. I'm just a a Hannah swirled with a Shoshana. I love products mm-hmm. just like Shoshana. Um, and you know, the Hannah is what it is. I have a, a a close friend, a best friend, who's a Marnie, and I think we both kind of understand each other through that of like listen, no one wants to be a Hannah. No, no one wants to be a character on this show, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I am, I get very tired and I'm, you know, need a lot of people to pay attention to me about it. And I write weird blogs for the internet. So
0: it lines up as Hannah. What about you guys? I am, I'm a similar combination because I uh, use easily and I also like products. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm definitely, maybe Shosh, Shosh Rising, Hannah Sun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh,
1: good one.
2: I'm definitely a Marnie. Um, I hate to say it, but my- The world
1: needs Marnies.
2: The world needs Marnies. Um, This is not like a great time to like point to Marnies, you know, like type A personalities, because this whole season is about her just slowly unraveling. But I, yeah, I just every single episode I find myself like more and more in touch with her, which like I feel like does not speak highly about me and my like interpersonal interactions. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm coming to accept it a little bit more. I definitely have some sh- Shoshin me too, for sure.
1: Yeah, she's she's a universal donor. I mean, that's how I feel about <laughs> Hannah sometimes, it's not. It's not even the moments where it's not like, oh, I do crazy antics like Hannah. It's when it's when like someone, you know, it's when she it's in her moments of trying to be all knowing, but just clearly knowing nothing. Yeah. Like, oh. like, hopefully that's not me at this particular moment. But I'm like, damn, that's me at 23.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. I feel like what, at the end of each episode, we ask, which girl are you in these episodes? And mm, I like have- Okay. I mean, I answer Hannah a lot, but it's usually in my past life, yeah. Hannah. But, you know, sometimes the, Why is it so the present Hannah, Hannah Hannah creeps up when you least expect it. It does. And yes, please
1: ask me that question later because <laughs> I have a cameo I want to draw attention to. Oh,
0: amazing. Mm-hmm. And who is your girl's crush? Um, That's the
1: cameo I was going to draw attention to. Okay, she's only in two episodes, so she doesn't really, she's not a arcana of girls, <laughs> but... Roberta Calendres This is not a fair answer. She's like mm-hmm. Adam's lesbian friend. And we meet her in season one and we see her in um season episode three of season three. I'm just very I have a big sad crush on Roberta Calendres, So seeing her on girls is just like a little Easter egg. Um she was most recently on um shit, what was the baseball show?
2: Oh, a league of their own.
1: A league of their own thank yeah. you, God. Um but I think within the more present world of the show, unfortunately, Jessa. I mean, I, what what are you gonna do? You know, yeah. Not, I don't. I don't like that about myself either. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have a new answer to this question. Actually, ooh. Like, all ears. His, historically, I've said Ray. I'm moving. away. Yeah. I have been moving away from that. The more we've been re-watching the show, and like the deeper we get into the run. Laird is my new crush. Laird! Um, oh, it
1: is turtle. Oh my god. Yeah.
2: Laird's a sweetheart. I, mean,
1: I would also let Caroline, I would let Gabby Hoffman ruin my life for sure. Yeah.
0: And she would ruin my life. She would. Yeah. Stand I, in the bathroom naked and break it. Oh and my break god. a glass. What a scene. I mean, Laird is a
1: sweetie. Like yeah one of the few pure souls on this show.
2: And I, like, also just so funny, like, so with it, too, like, his observations are, like, they're kind of naive, but, like, they're so piercing at the same time, like, I I don't know, John Glazer's so good on this show, too, like, Mm -hmm. I always enjoy seeing him pop up in um, just random stuff, but.
1: When he's just talking about, like, having dinner with the memory of everyone he loves uh, that's died, (laughs) what the hell, like. Yeah,
2: there's, a, there's I a
0: performance. Didn't even know that was possible.
2: Yeah, it's crazy to think that he did this performance and um, oh, that like awful dentist from Parks and Rec. Do you know? Oh my who, god! In the Council same India. year. Yeah. Really? Yeah, the range. That is wild. Yeah.
0: He's a great character yeah. actor.
2: Yeah, he yeah. he really is. Um, Caroline's a good segue into the beginning of episode three or season three, episode three, I think absolutely yeah
0: hannah and adam are back at hannah's apartment and adam's sister caroline shows up having been kicked out of her last apartment she's very vulnerable and adam kind of accepts her uh begrudgingly and hannah's more willing to kind of you know experiment with having a part-time roommate but adam is not is not Mm -hmm. down
2: well this like Hannah also has no context for Caroline too. Like she is such a narcissist and feels like having like like <laughs> a room and border <laughs> will be like once again, like good fodder for like the story of her life. But like Caroline is such a chaos agent that yeah. and obviously, Adam would know more than Hannah does. But
1: I'll empathize with Adam in a way that I probably didn't when I first saw this episode. I'm just like, Dude, like the last thing you want when your crazy sister is in town, I'm an only child, I have a crazy sister, but <laughs> the last thing you want in dealing with your insane family is like a partner who's just like, oh, they're not that bad. Let's see what happens.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, yeah, you don't know who this person is. And yeah. while she might be like quirky fodder for your book, she is, as right. we see, kind of a insane person. And I like how, in- oh, sorry, go ahead oh no no no. please go ahead I was just gonna say I like how at the end of the episode it kind of turns around and we see that Hannah and um Caroline are kind of the same kind of crazy but we'll get to that
2: so it's Hannah's 25th birthday too which I'm always shocked by where the girls are in age (laughs) every episode
1: (laughs) when they say 25 I was like are you I guess I must have first watched. Like, how do you guys remember how old you were? Roughly, I would have been like twenty-two or twenty-three. I guess we
2: were. We were just talking about this. I was nineteen. I think with nineteen. Um, yeah. We were freshmen in college when this season was out. Oh
1: wow. Okay. I think yeah. I was either a senior or it was my first year out of college. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking twenty-five sounded like the part where Jess is like, "I can't believe how little you guys have done with your lives." Um, since so graduating <laughs> college <laughs> like that's what it is what for at least all the people I know and myself being 25 feels like
2: oh yeah <laughs> and I did like how the party scene felt very anticlimactic in a way because like you always build up 25 in your mind as this big milestone because it's a quarter of a century or whatever but then it's never I mean I guess I don't know about Julia, but, like, my birthday was, like, early pand- <laughs> and early pandemic lockdown, so, like, or for my 25th was, so, like, I didn't do anything, like, Zoom birthday, and it really felt like the, like, indoor equivalent to, like, this party, basically.
1: I I don't even remember. Julia, do you remember what you did for your 25th birthday?
0: Um, I think it was, like, I guess it was late pandemic Mm -hmm. and i don't remember but i do i don't remember thinking it was such a big milestone and i think i feel like it's i don't do people think of it as a milestone i I think it's funny how marnie's trying to put on this big adult capital a adult party i weirdly
1: have
0: so much love for barney in this moment because she's
1: like I, I, I think as a Hannah, I appreciate the moments where Marnie's mask is being, and she's being the transparent narcissist. Yes. But we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to that. But I'm like, it's so Marnie to be like, I planned you already, therefore you have to do everything I want. And oh it's not the last time we will see Marnie
0: do that. But no. mm. yeah. Um, I love all the interactions we see at the beginning of the party also. Hannah Going around to these side characters. We you see, know. you know, that Laird is here, Taco is here. Who else? Oh my <laughs> and God. then her parents, Tad and Lorraine. Great cameo. Yeah. Great cameo when they're dead, you know, knowing what we
1: eventually know about their marriage, like seeing them as kind of aspirational and like dancing and cute. And it's, I mean, they're a very funny, fun couple that I'm like, the least interesting part of their life is Hannah.
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> that's 100 i was really true. mean
1: about this fictional character but i'm just like
0: lot there
2: no i love it yeah i was really laughing when caroline goes up to introduce herself with a hug to tad Laureen and, and is like like she like kisses um tad on the cheek and is like i love your hat <laughs>
0: like <laughs> she wants
2: to make herself known at this party
1: when she is dancing with Ray, I was like, what does this remind me of? Or not dancing with Ray, dancing at Ray, culminating in biting <laughs> Ray for no good reason. I'm like, what does this remind me of? And then I realized, like, that was my mating strategy in my, like, tragic heterosexual era. Like, I would just go to things and dance near guys, but then be mad if they weren't, like, responding. <laughs> and why would they, you know? it's <laughs> They don't know you. It's weird. But did you yeah, bite I've I never been anyone but, you know I just stayed privately mad in my head that I wasn't making the like dance floor splash I wanted to but
2: her style of dancing is very like a girl who has watched so many old French movies and like mm-hmm. thinks that that's like the like intriguing like cool girl way to dance but it just it only kind of works if you're French yes. <laughs> so
1: and Make Gabby cool. Hoffman has like french vibes to me of like someone who like whatever she decides to do body hair wise is gonna be the right hot decision mm-hmm. Know right. what i mean Absolutely. um but you know it's it's the american version
2: yeah
0: and slightly crazier more aggressive less um devil may care
2: right I also loved Hannah's birthday bitch trucker hat too. Um, oh my god. I to the point where I was actually on Amazon watching <laughs> this and like seeing if I could get like um like a six pack for like a birthday party I have this upcoming weekend on short notice. But
1: those are the things you find when you're moving and you're like, why do I have a birthday bitch hat?
0: Like
2: But it's also the kind of thing that you you're never gonna throw away.
0: No, <laughs> like, it will like... move with you apartments you never know when it'll come in handy
2: you really don't I mean there are just so many birthdays every year like having a hat on hand is I I mean it's a staple it's like having a nice coat like you just gotta have something so a
1: sense of occasion and I have a picture in my camera roll of my friend wearing like a birthday girl sash that I now realize must have like all these items must have come from the same like weird corner of Amazon where you buy like penis straws for bachelorette parties
0: yeah they're all just sitting in a landfill
1: (laughs) (laughs) not biodegradable no wait are we i mean you guys drive the agenda but whenever you're ready to talk about take me or leave me i am
0: oh my god
2: (laughs) i think this is a good segue into marnie was so out of pocket this episode um yes in ways that i even i with my like marnie empathic vibe like it just absolutely could not
1: no even for a I second mean, like
2: really my
1: partner is a virgo i have a really high tolerance for being bossed around lovingly but like i actually thought hannah acquitted herself very well in this episode yeah because like she- when i was talking to my friend who's a marnie about this episode we were realizing like we would have
0: had a screaming fight in the bathroom
1: yeah <laughs>
0: i feel like it's surprising that in this episode, Hannah is like the most mature one. Totally. I kind of it's weird. It keep... Yeah, it's, it was kind of abrupt from the last few episodes. I feel like it was a, a weird choice, but definitely um interesting character growth.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because of the episode that follows it, in, t- in which Hannah's like notably, everyone's calling her a narcissist, that she's actually kind of holding it down.
2: Yeah. In this one. No, it, it definitely was a really interesting character choice to the point where I sort of thought it was a convenience of writing to make Marnie look a lot worse. Mm Yeah. But I mean, she, like Hannah did end season two in the throes of this insane mental health crisis that like nearly broke her and nearly took everything away. And she's rebuilt her life pretty well. She still has the job. She still has Adam maybe she has a little bit of perspective on her situation that's calling her or causing her to mellow out a little bit and that's sort of and maybe she's doing some self-reflecting on her birthday but she still has like the narcissistic tendencies a little bit like inviting Caroline to her party and like kind of not enabling her fully but like sort of encouraging her to like be herself (laughs) was probably not a great move
1: well, it makes me think that maybe I do feel like narcissists are pretty chill on their birthdays. Like, you know, a day that's already about you, you don't have the same like striving needs. But like you said, she's still kind of like, I don't, it's unclear how much she even knows what she's doing or how it yeah. would affect Adam. But just the like, oh, yeah, come, you know, set this crazy woman free because she, like you said, might be an interesting character in my story. Yeah. Yeah. She kind and of does the same thing. Oh, oh, no, go on. Just that Hannah's so funny because she's a writer and it's communicated pretty good writer in certain way, you know, in certain genres in certain ways. But like, she's not actually curious about people. She's like interested in this dispassionate way or like she's thinking about what people may be able to do for her. But I don't think it's a curiosity about like, like with I never got the sense with Caroline that she was like, oh, my God, you're, you're fascinating. I must get to know her. It was kind of like, well, OK. This could mm-hmm. happen.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the same vibe when she, when David Pressler Goings shows up to the party, like coked out of his gourd. She kind of just like lets him loose. Like.
1: Yeah. Like lets it, him download Grinder and change the music. And like, I, you know what I was confused about? I, is he, did she hand him her iPhone in that scene?
2: Yes. Okay. So,
1: so okay. So, I don't know what I thought but I was like how would he be able to get onto Grinder?" but obviously he would just download it and presumably she wouldn't already have it I thought okay we're, I thought the logistics. <laughs> I'm okay
2: <laughs> I can sort of see Hannah being the kind of straight woman who has Grinder, honestly oh. just to talk to people <laughs> like, like I, I definitely guys, I know many women like so. that so okay yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> completely I can really that is the best distillation of Hannah Horvath like has grind her on her phone just in case she feels lonely and <laughs> the
0: oh my god so I funny. also love all the horrible Brooklyn bands performing at this party oh my god
1: <laughs> Also oh. cute rash on my body just like thinking about all the time I've spent at bars that serve hot dogs and like let you do karaoke um i'm thinking about old stanley's i'll name it old stanley's and bushwick like the kind of place where i i mean it's new york it's not i assume it's still hard to like perform there
0: but it kind of seems like they're letting what anyone do it <laughs> it's not <laughs> you know they're not yeah. gonna let anyone do something at alphaville you know <laughs> oh yeah for sure
2: The i would say chicago is a <laughs> what am i about to say might counteract that but it's a hip current city in a lot of ways The one area in which Chicago is 10 years behind the rest of the country is that this kind of band with a rotating assortment of like 2014 buzz bands that never really made it is active and thriving in 2023. Like every, yeah, like every dive bar was this bar that we see in this episode. Like still is, it's, it's crazy how things have just not progressed even a little bit.
1: Well, it does make me realize that my friends and I, when I lived in New York, spent a lot of time thinking about the perfect birthday bar. Mm -hmm. And I had a birthday bar and I feel like it's a New Yorker thing because you just don't, maybe it's an every major city thing, but like you don't have enough space in your home to have people over for your birthday. And it made me think of like what, because I think there's an episode where Hannah mentions Washington Commons, which is my birthday bar. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, where would she have her
0: birthday? That's a maybe good, old I, Stanleys, yeah. Maybe old Stanleys. I'll have to think about it, but I feel like somewhere in Bushwick. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: don't know the Chicago equivalents. I've only been a couple times, but
2: yeah, I mean, others. I I was in LA for four years before I moved to Chicago, and definitely okay. for us, it would have been like Zebulon. Yeah
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: That I I mean, as I did do my birthday at Zebulon when I was twenty-four, so yeah, I maybe that's just location bias but like i feel like i have been to so many parties there well like akbar for gay people like i don't know just like a cha-cha lounge like these like east side hangs that kind of have the same like general vibe places that
1: are kind of like vaguely cool but also are not gonna be so full that you can't have a birthday there yeah Yeah. well akbar is more than vaguely cool
2: well i don't know about that but like (laughs) it's like the kind of place where they'll, they'll be like yeah, you can have one table but secretly they'll let you have like three yeah. and it's great. So. Yeah. But
0: we do need to talk about the karaoke, the rent. God. <laughs> this is such a scarring scene to me. I I mean, first of all, Marnie getting up there giving another speech after her uh Charlie's office speech totally why is she trying this shtick again so
2: my I kind of forgot that this episode not only had the take me or leave me scene but also the debut of her music video same. <laughs> like,
1: I did not realize those were the same episode yeah. religion is the smile on a dog
2: <laughs> I have to be really honest and admit that I thought that this song was a Marnie Michaels original until literally last night. It's not, it's an Edie Perkel song. And I had no idea.
1: I knew that at some point, but not when I first saw it. Yeah. 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 Cause no, it is. And like, I still think that despite all the work I've done not to be Hannah Horvath, like I think that my nightmare will always be my like hot, thin, mean friend taking the good part of take me or leave me on stage and i and leaving me joanne's part which like as someone who watched rent every single day of camp i was incredibly cool and popular like (laughs) it's so uncool to not let the birthday girl be more mean yeah Yeah. i mean
0: it's it's if
1: you're gonna make her do karaoke to rent at least let the girl take the part um... it's like about how she's and everyone wants to sleep with her like
0: yeah. Also, I think that Hannah is more Maureen. You know? I agree. I th- I mean, I Marnie makes lists in her sleep. Whatever yeah. the storyline is, Hannah has a brief <laughs> bisexual moment. Yes, <laughs> that's not my episode,
1: but you know, it's out there for someone to look forward to.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm not a rent head. Is Maureen the Adina Menzel part?
1: N- Maureen is Adina Menzel. Okay. And- Yeah, I mean, it's weird because the Joanne character is probably the best singer in the movie, but they're like, oh, Joanne is so boring and lame and she has a job. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: I can definitely see why Marnie would want to take the like vocally challenging part because she's just been publicly humiliated. And like what I didn't, I guess I didn't remember that this was essentially an act of like revenge porn, but like- (laughs) i mean that's not the word for it, but no like, but like, like getting like i don't know
1: what you'd call it but her <laughs> getting- ex has the yeah. password right charlie has the password
0: and will delete it yeah <laughs> just wait so I think rude Paul calls youtube like she's yeah. on customer service trying to get it taken down which is yeah. such a fun like how do you think that's going to work out for you so that's also just such a like Person very slightly
1: older than I am relationship with the internet where like you've come of age in social media but you still think you can call YouTube yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it's it was so embarrassing to see her like I, I I mean I feel bad for her because like I don't know why Charlie would do that except for just to like do a nail in the coffin like one last time but
0: yeah. really really odd um mean move
2: but. yeah
1: it's a nice for these two episodes because the video is very much the subject of what's going on in episode four
2: yeah
1: or with marnie at least
2: it was very funny like allison williams like got her well she got her start by being brian williams's daughter but she like was doing youtube covers of popular songs pre-girls and just like uploading them to her personal channel and then Like, those all got scrubbed at some point, but, like, you can still find them kicking around the internet somewhere. I didn't
1: know that. Wow. Yeah,
2: so, like, this was definitely some sort of little commentary on Allison being, like...
1: A yout girly.
2: I mean, she's always, like, liked singing. Like, this season was the same year that she did Peter Pan Live, too, which... I don't I'm sure Allison Williams would like us all to forget that she was in that but
1: yeah never forget a rough era what's she doing now
2: oh she's the biggest movie star in the country right now because Megan Megan has has made made, like two billion dollars I haven't
1: I'm too scared I'm way too scared to see it but it's not scary
0: it's just stupid in a good way
1: a real coward though anyway sorry this is not the (laughs) the Allison Williams hour but I do I do want to summon the courage to see her in a non-girls role.
2: Yeah. It sucks because, well, I mean, I'm also like pretty squeamish about horror and everything she does these days is a horror movie, it seems like. So I really am not that tapped into anything she's done since Get Out. But like, I will support her from the sidelines. I'm working on a
1: story about this that like my fear of horror is weirdly I feel very out of the zeitgeist because so many things are scary as hell. Like Yellow Jackets can't handle oh
2: beyond like it's so hard to watch things on showtime like exact Mm -hmm. same boat like (laughs) yellow jackets is just not even on my radar a little bit which and i feel like so out of the loop but i don't want to watch people do like amputations or whatever like in the woods and i'm just
1: like i mostly want to watch it because it's i i've seen some of it and it's pretty queer but like at what cost like not at the cost of an amputated
0: foot I think it's fun. You guys should watch it. You should okay. try, just
2: try an episode. Yeah, I know I'm gonna like it. In the, I mean, this is, I haven't seen like the Last of Us either. Like we're recording this a few Damn. days after their big like queer episode um, that they just had. And I feel, yeah, I, like horror really is kind of the barrier between like the positive representation we seek and like <laughs> anything yeah. else. Uh, that's funny, but um they need the... a
0: category on Netflix queer not
2: scary.
1: Queer not scary, exactly. I would play it all day long.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I would also like to very briefly touch down on one of the worst dresses I've ever seen, uh Marnie's purple <gasps> and yellow party outfit.
1: Horrible. <laughs> and Hannah's outfit is pretty bad in a very real way of like I definitely owned that dress at some point in my life, but yeah. Marnie you know, I mean Hannah goes bigger with her clothes, so it's like easier to miss, but like like stays pretty, you know, within a certain J. Crew parameter,
0: and what a miss.
2: Yeah. Big miss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Drew has written here Jackie Kennedy in a Fanta commercial, which I think <laughs> is... <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's yeah. that's all you need to know. Yeah. Oh my I, God. I do love the way we see hannah and marnie's relationship in the episode um i mean yeah. even their outfits just how they're so different they're really they're they are viewing like their growth and adulthood in different ways and i don't know these characters continuing to grow apart marnie's like descending into instagram obsession she's like Ugh, i'm gonna get so many photos for my instagram it was also mm-hmm. a good
1: thing to say and like if there, i there i have said many sad things and done many sad things on social media but like man it's i think it's the lesson of a marnie to someone who is a hannah is like it's not necessarily better to be a marnie you might think it is but like marnie's marnie is racking trying to get photos for instagram she's
2: you yeah. know being a marnie only really works out when things are going well for you right like when you're so used to being in control and in the driver's seat, like skidding out a little bit, completely derails you. And like yeah. this whole season is her like trying to regain control and just completely failing. But like this episode was so interesting to contrast a slightly more mature Hannah and more just play yeah. acting at um at maturity
1: play acting maturity is a good way to put it. And I just, you know, I think for a Hannah, it can be, I mean just speaking for myself and for the fictional character of Hannah Horvath, I think if you're someone who the flip side of dealing with like mental health stuff or not being, you know, necessarily successful in your field at the time you want to be or whatever it is, is that you are a little, you can handle the the nose a little better. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like Marnie has like never, you know, has clearly gotten straight A's her whole life. you was the golden child and I think it's really hard to come out of that
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: it's easier to be like I'm great at failing actually I do this <laughs> all the time
2: <laughs> yeah and her she I don't remember exactly what she says to show sure just after they say like you've been alive for 25 years and have nothing to show for it like since college <laughs> like um, yeah
0: that's like four years is not a long time which I guess kind of sums up her yeah her approach to adulthood the future
2: can we talk about shosh and ray this episode because i thought i forgot that this little subplot happened at all and it was i think actually my favorite part of the episode
1: Mm -hmm. that moment outside
2: yeah the moment outside like shosh being in her horny fugue state all episode like (laughs) just kind of like trying to enjoy herself before she graduates like I definitely have been my like senior year of college was definitely that like trying to go to as many things as possible just to enjoy time and like get some like fun experiences in with you know people who I wasn't necessarily going to see for a long time afterwards so like that definitely like rang very true to me.
1: Yeah and shows, shows someone who Wants to want to have fun. I feel like she will like show up at the thing. She will like go to the party. I don't know if she really knows how to fully enjoy herself, but that might be a problem that's endemic to everyone on this show. Mm -hmm. Actually, Hannah, Hannah and Elijah know how to enjoy themselves, but
2: yeah,
0: for sure. Also, Shosh, um, inviting a date who tells Ray without knowing who Ray is he's like a crazy party girl and met and him, pulled him into
1: a cab like a Ciroc commercial yes
0: <laughs> oh my it's god such a,
1: and like this is what I mean about the show being well crafted that's like a little moment where you see a vision of Shoshana that's from someone else and it's like it doesn't not line up with what we know about her but it's like realize that this show isn't really trying to portray every facet of these people's lives like maybe I think we see a lot more of Hannah's life um, or and Hannah's, like, interiority. But when it comes to Shosh, it's like, there's actually a lot we don't know about Shosh.
2: Yeah. And, like, the ultimate strength of Shosh by the end of the show is how much she actually keeps to herself and how much yeah. reflection she does on her own rather than, like, inflicting her inner monologue on everyone else. And it's why she's totally. Shoshana successful.
1: And, like, she will actually do things, like... You know, instead of talking forever about, like, moving to Japan, like, she will just move to Japan. And, like, is her trip there weird and appropriative? Totally. But she's doing stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not just talking about doing weird stuff. She's also doing it. Yeah. I mean, I I thought that was a really great point, Emma, about how we don't see every part of these girls' lives. And, I mean, I can just crystal see her and her friends drunk, pulling this guy into a cab, even though we haven't really seen anything like that on the Yeah.
1: I have a very Hannah reaction, which is like, what friends? She has other friends? (laughs) This fictional character from on a show from a decade ago
0: has other friends? Mm -hmm. I also love the cutting line that we kind of alluded to earlier when Brian Shosh are outside and they're doing this really uncomfortable small talk and she fails to smoke a cigarette and he goes cool cigarette and walks away oh, cutting so
1: yeah. what a dick maybe yeah. he is my crush i mean i just <laughs> there's too many like sardonic old jewish men i don't know if ray is jewish or jewish coded but there's too many of that in my family for it to be like
2: mm-hmm. a
1: novel exciting totally. archetype for me but i'm like he's there's something about he can deliver a line man
2: yeah
0: i he, he is um quote unquote i'm greek what does he say in that i'm, I'm greek, greek orthodox orthodox, right? yeah, <laughs> orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> great greek. delivery moment yeah. yeah really good so jewish coded jewish coded
2: it's such a shame that like shosh and ray have such a big age gap and that just fundamentally is not gonna make it work between them because they're i mean ray seems like he's in a really good place and he and shosh were pretty well matched for each other in a lot of ways but because i i mean we didn't really touch on this earlier but like i mean he's managing a second location of grumpy's and now like starting his own business too with like colin quinn's backing like Ray's like addressing a lot of the concerns that Shoshana had with him mm-hmm, it's just yeah. like too the little too happens.
1: late yeah I mean it definitely reminds me of people I dated at Shosha's age of like it's just it's not even like chronological age you're just doing different stuff and you're in yeah. a different place yeah like it could just be a gap of a few years but you're just in different places
2: yeah at least Ray is like pretty comfortable in his age and his state in life like i mean he is kind of a dick about it like when he oh i guess i thought this was nirvana he's like requested smashing pumpkins at the bar and is just getting hammered on the couch
0: (laughs) drinking an ipa
2: yeah (laughs) david Pressler goings request sexy and i know it um which is better (laughs) choice a better choice but also like such a good music supervisor cue because Uh that's definitely the worst of the two big lmfao songs between that and party rock anthem like of course david pressler goings would pick sexy and i know it and like
1: this man is gonna show up at his like subordinate's birthday and put
0: that song on yeah you know it's also just such a kind of Guess young Gen Xer, like this is what this is what we're gonna play at this party right now. <laughs> I mean, it makes me think of the character he plays
1: in Shrill, a little world crossover, which is yeah, almost the same character, toned down a little, but just being like, I'm in Gen X. I have black painted fingernails. Like this this actor needs the Gen X Oscar. Yeah. Truly.
2: No, he's he's so good on this show. I have not seen um he played Joe Exotic in peacock's really? recent like tiger king mini series because no i was i just have like tiger king fatigue like I, it, yeah. it could be yeah. an emmy winning project and i probably unfortunately would not see it like just yeah, don't need to hear about those people ever again but like, no. he's apparently so good in it and i can see how someone would think to cast him sure. in a role yeah, totally. like that. yeah i um, mean it's
1: a good segue to talk about the following episode because he's he's all up in that one and yeah in a way
2: i was so i watched these two episodes in um i'm in grad school like my school's library um i was crying laughing um at the waiting room scene when hannah's just sitting there waiting for david as like a crowd of people slowly <laughs> start to <laughs> run into one like conference room about to hear about like David's death and I was like I, I I like couldn't contain myself like I was just so funny
1: I took a screenshot of her being like and no one has told me where this leaves my ebook and <laughs> I need to send that my my editor's shout out on my editor for the book I'm working on is on strike with Harper Collins right now they're in their first day of negotiation big shout out but I like want to send that to her and be like, "Oh God, is this me?" Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry about you know you being on the strike line for two months. What
0: is going on with my ebook? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's an understandable thought to have. In- it's just and- a thought
1: that normal people would voice. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is a lot. Of-
0: a lot of what Hannah experiences is just you know, we all have have thoughts that we you know maybe be embarrassed of and don't share
1: and you know this isn't really a defense of hannah but i think throughout this episode people are kind of taking her to task for how narcissistic she is but i actually think so much of the culture we've built up around grief is artificial and narcissistic and bullshit and like sure. hannah is all those things but at yeah. the same time i'm not sure it would be more noble for her to like you know cry and rent her garments and write a personal essay yeah. about how much we hurt her.
2: In the scene, not to jump ahead too much, but the scene in the cemetery with Gabby Hoffman really highlights how performative grief is, but also how like narratively structured we expect like stories about loss and like processing trauma to be like there. I mean, there are a lot of like different layers of commentary going on in that scene, but I yeah, I wild
1: scenes. I
2: wasn't sure how I felt about this episode when I was watching it yesterday but the more I've sat with it the more I actually kind of like what they did here
1: um a I, I great use of Jennifer Westfeld mm-hmm. um a great illustration of you just don't always know about people's lives even if you think you do especially someone like Hannah who is asking zero questions about people's lives because you know she's obviously just like She's just so stymied by like, my gay editor has a wife, you know? Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think I I don't relate to her. It would be alarming if I did in this episode, but there is part of me that's like, you know, part of me would be asking, like, why was the dress tiny? <laughs> like, I think means- we we're so <laughs> inundated with trauma, porn in the form of content. I think it's not even about being an unfeeling or terrible person. To- that your brain skips to the details and the information you don't have because you're there's always a sense when you're taking in somebody else's trauma of like irreality about it.
2: Yeah. Like you're kind of being judged for your response to someone else's loss. Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's there's a lot of interesting commentary on death in this episode. I think her conversations with son Adam and They, like you said, think she's crazy for being more worried about her book. And she's just, I don't know, she says to Adam that she would be really sad if he died, but in this kind of unconvincing way. And yes, she would worry about how she would pay her rent.
1: And it's like she's thought about his death in so far as like, what would I say at his funeral that would make people think well of me but in a, there's also something about her that's, like, I'm glad she's admitting that. Like, there's there's something kind oh. of guileless about her where it's, like, she's not cunning enough to mask her own narcissism sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, like, even if you're upset by the content of what she's saying, it's also, like, well, at least you don't have to search for her hidden meaning.
2: Yeah. <laughs> her narcissism usually reads as so childish and petty, but in this episode, it really did feel kind of transgressive to me because, like, yeah. I, I mean... I not to get into it too much and I don't have any reactions like as like crazy as she does in this episode about death but like I also have a pretty uh, like weird way of coping with death I would say and like I kind of
1: super common Yeah. yeah
2: like I definitely felt seen in ways by like how she's talking about like yeah like death obviously like it would impact her if her boyfriend died like she's not asking the right questions necessarily but like the mental framework like where she's coming from made sense to me
1: totally and I think there's always especially in the social media age the sense of who does a death belong to which is like maybe a really crass way to put it but you know there's that inner goal of closest friends family etc and then there's the people outside of that who hopefully are supporting the people who are going through it the most but I think the lines can get very blurry and the whole added layer like Instagram performative grief can be so difficult to parse like this is one of the few episodes where I kind of want to cut Hannah slack for what a child she is because I also think like Jessa's like fake worldliness about death isn't necessarily I mean hopefully the two scales of human reaction to death are not Hannah or Jessa but right. you know I, don't think anyone on earth has figured out a foolproof way to deal with the concept of death
2: yeah and to be fair too like it's not like david pressler goings was this positive mentor figure to her like he was such a dick
1: (laughs) yeah he was pretty pretty actively enabling her to be fucked up and write about it like
2: yeah which is
1: something that uh, older people in the industry will sometimes do and i feel like i've been really lucky as a writer that Older people have just been nice to me and been like, "Hey, maybe don't write your, you know, most intimate sexual experiences for twenty five dollars yeah. for a now now shuttered website." But like, you know, as 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 privileged as Lena Dunham and Hannah are, it's also kind of it's a privilege to have people that kind of set you right. And I, he's not that, you know. No,
2: you can definitely see him trying to like craft another prozac nation almost by like trying to get someone to
1: no
2: yeah like debase yourself for your writing your story because that's what's gonna like actually sell here yeah
1: and like you said this is someone who like just had a serious mental health episode like she doesn't need any encouragement to sort of do it for the story and yeah let herself spiral and you know he's not a therapist i don't think he has like a huge you know pastoral care role towards her but yeah i mean in the sense of what does she owe him she be feeling when he dies like it's it's interesting
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's also so. interesting
0: to be kind of sympathetic uh, in this episode mm-hmm. because everyone is kind of telling her she's a narcissist which happens in every episode and we yeah. usually agree with it and i think the show is kind of telling us to agree with it in this episode but yeah. also maybe using hannah as not the voice of reason but like a you know a, a voice challenging like you said the kind of social yeah, grief
1: right and i think there's a really nice moment with gabby hoffman in the cemetery where gabby hoffman is like oh you're fucking crazy and i love you like she actually is kind of celebrating Hannah for asking the bad question or not celebrating her necessarily, but like, it's whatever, whatever about this crazy woman there is like, you're not going to like scare her away by asking the wrong question, which is not some, something that I think Hannah has enough of, honestly.
2: Right. Yeah. Gabby Hoffman is like wielding. Like her eccentricities, like, like a sword almost like it's very, um, she's she is creating a safe space for Hannah but also by forcing her outside this comfort zone into like like doing cartwheels through a cemetery or like sitting on top of someone's grave like I mean she
1: reminds me a lot of that I know from the Hudson Valley honestly I don't know if you guys know (laughs) but like just like very purposefully eclectic and crazy ladies who like yeah we'll do cartwheels cemetery but like that fun wackiness does often come at a sanity price yeah there's a there
2: tra- there's definitely a trade-off to that sort of behavior yeah. and like I
1: mean now I'm like oh women from the Hudson Valley insane no I just, <laughs> I'm thinking of like I think specifically that area is so like oh harvest your own eggs now yes. that it yeah. attracts a sort like hippie who's maybe not worked out all the
0: stuff she thinks she has you're painting a vivid picture, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the, not like dissimilar to allegedly how Gabby Hoffman is in real life, too. Totally. So, like, um, but I do, I thought the cemetery scene where she's telling this, like, the story about Adam and Caroline's terminally ill cousin who Adam takes to a dance and, like, picks yeah. up and, like, Say like spends money on a dress only for her to die two weeks later, clutching the corsage in her hands. Like
1: God, I know
2: a cruel thing to do to someone. To like tell that story is like is it very emotionally so cruel. manipulation,
1: and I'm kind of obsessed with it because I think our brains are also now hardwired to be like looking for that kind of you know. Like I feel like that's an article that would go viral. Like hero boy takes like. You know, sick cousin to prom. Like, I feel like I've just from my years of doing that kind of shameful media aggregation, like, I think we're so used to that yeah. kind of script that there's something great about Hannah just being like, Hannah not reacting right. And then Gabby Hoffman being like, oh, I was fucking with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's horrible. It's but... It, but yeah.
2: But Hannah also doesn't react to the story well either. Like, she fixates on, like the kind of wasting disease that the cousin yeah. had like and wow. they're like
1: gross and you know the 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 stereotypical Lena Dunhamy, like I deserve the most salacious information from this story regardless of what it might do to someone else
2: it definitely is a little sort of ahead of its time in a way because like I feel like so much of true crime culture and like medical documentary culture right now are people fixating on like the like brutality of it or the like salacious like murder details or like gross medical minutia, in a way that mm-hmm. like obviously kind of dehumanizes the victims or the patients themselves like
1: yeah
2: and it's such it's a thing really these for- days but in 2014 like that was still kind of novel commentary because true crime definitely had not like this was a pre-serial world like totally. we, we, we were not at the level that we are yet
1: That's a really interesting observation yeah I mean I feel like that's also part of not to go back to Hannah's storied writing career but like she's got a voice it's a fucked up voice but she's got a way of looking at things that is Mm -hmm. gross and over the line and not what you want in a person but might be really effective in writing. Yeah. Like if we met Hannah through essays as opposed to through the character like if If you read an essay by Hannah Horvath, you'd have a really different reaction to Hannah Horvath than the
0: version of her we see on Girls.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's also what they kind of talk about in the cemetery when they're talking about Mm -hmm. antidepressants. Caroline was saying it made her feel less, um, which is Mm -hmm. according to, I think Hannah says, like, bad for a writer, but good for a person. Yeah, uh,
1: which also is just such a funny, like, exalting of the status of writer that yeah. I'm just like, how did not, you know, not that Hannah's path has her mind, but <laughs> I'm like, how did this woman not have to do like digital content for a website at some point? Like, you never have to, you know, any job mm-hmm. is a privilege. But um, I just I just think like she has she has a way of looking at writing that only someone deeply sheltered from doing writing for work is, gets to have
2: yeah
1: you know because
2: i think was it season one or season two julia when she's writing for um jazz exactly.
1: hate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, a- right. like she's done some like feminist blogging i just think she'd have more of a sense of like this is a slog Then, like yeah. to be a writer is the most normal no, noble calling but
2: but she also like she kind of failed at those corporate gigs and took it as yeah, a sign that like they're beneath her rather than that she needs to improve her own craft and like right, and
1: that she's work not the muscle and like she doesn't want to try because it's not a muscle she wants to get good at but it's also like well i'm always like girl stay in that advertorial job are you kidding me like
2: yeah.
1: they mm-hmm. were- they're paying you money um, I mean, a, a a girls in which people actually need money from work in order to survive is a whole different, is a whole different uh, vision of girls.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, so the episode ends with Hannah passing off the same story to Adam as if it were her own. What did y'all think about this moment? Because I, this is the moment that really is like sticking for me from the episode. Mm.
1: It felt like such a, I don't know how to describe this better than how I'm about to describe it, but such a short story moment to me yeah. that has no choice but to land kind of big when it's the last, uh, you know, 30 minute episode of television, but feels like a New Yorker story, which I, I know Lena Dunham's written for the New Yorker. I don't know if she's a short story person, but, you know, it's cinematic and gross and kind of really worked for me. But I also was like, I was just like logically I mean why would she repeat a story that she heard from his sister it's not impossible you know like I just as a as a profuse liar I would never do such a thing but yeah <laughs> Julia what did you think
0: I I mean I think it was interesting because it it kind of undid a lot of the work we saw Hannah do on herself I just feel like she has kind of matured in a lot of ways in these two episodes and then it just, she throws it away, which I thought was a yeah. interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: interesting.
1: As, as like a as a Hannah choice, I think you're totally right. I was thinking of it more as like, if I was making this show, would I have ended there? But like from Han- perspective of like Hannah, un- I hadn't thought of her kind of undoing all this work. And like that backslide feels real to me. Mm-hmm. in terms of how people operate but yeah disappointing after an episode of not necessarily sympathizing with her but definitely not feeling how the episode wanted me to feel about her
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah I, I think yeah from a writer's perspective also though I think it it was a funny kind of full circle moment yeah, totally. yeah.
2: De- definitely I agree with both of y'all's points 100% it was definitely a stagey moment to end on like kind of narratively easy in a way that the show doesn't usually do but like also I mean if you think about it like I I was trying to think about it from a way of like she doesn't know how to process grief she doesn't really know how to like tell a narrative of grief and she's sort of trying one on to see if it fits her almost but it's like you know in classic Hannah fashion it's just so misguided not like what you're actually supposed to do um, but that's
1: such a good observation because it is almost the way a kid will lie of like yeah trying out a story to see what it feels like to say it more so than like wanting to deceive which is not to say that Hannah's innocent but like it's more about I think she want I think she felt destabilized at some level by hearing that story and maybe wanted to put herself back
2: in yeah
0: and mm-hmm. yeah.
2: her processing and her journey this episode feels a lot more like honest emotionally and intellectually than like jessas by comparison like the jessa storyline this episode i kind of forgot about this too like um
1: it was kind of mid to me and i was like this doesn't really work for me i don't yeah yeah
2: it was artificial like i get what they were trying to do to like just further this narrative that jessa is kind of a dilettante in her own life she yeah. she's doing all these experiences leaving like a trail of chaos in her wake i you made a really good point emma earlier about um shosh's life outside of what we see on the show and her interiority and i did like what they did a similar thing with jessa this episode we don't we didn't really realize how dark her life Was in terms of drugs and substance abuse until we see like that this woman had to fake her own death to get out of Jessa's like enabling and like lower companion status.
1: Mm -hmm. And it does make me think like what would it take for Hannah or you know I don't know at this point in the season where the other girls are with Jessa, but like what would it because she kind of disappeared from their lives until the pilot. So I'm like, what does it take to not be in touch with Jessa on or to in some way have that relationship be severed? And why isn't it happening with Hannah, frankly? Yeah. <laughs> um, but some there's one there's a little tiny Easter egg moment of Jessa and Adam kind of flirting or having good rapport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Hannah just couldn't be put off by it. That feels like a a wink to future future developments. And I mm-hmm. actually was just in that moment I was like, they have and these people would make each other laugh
2: yeah I mean they do have very similar mindsets about the world too like it's it's like hedonism but also kind of like hedonism and bored with life in equal measure
1: totally it's like nothing matters to just do whatever you want yeah which like I think for Hannah things matter way
0: too much yeah Yeah. and for Marty,
1: in a in a larger way
0: I also think it was kind of um a missed opportunity to explore like Jessa's relationship with death. Mm-hmm. I think the the friend faking her own death like told us something else about Jessa. But I, I thought it, it could have been interesting to show her process it more. Yeah. Yeah. Or
1: like hold her to it a little instead of just her be like, oh, death is coming for us all. It's like yeah. I don't know that anyone actually has that. I don't know that Jessa would actually have that uncomplicated a relationship with that.
2: No, it no, is she like like a lot of the things she says, it's kind of a facsimile of like what she thinks a blase cool girl would mm-hmm. say about that situation. And I did, I mean, it was the reason she found out that like Susan, who is played by melanie diaz who is so good in a lot of different things and like weirdly very underused here i thought um but yeah, she's in the new charm sure. reboot which was a lot of fun if people have not seen that um but she only finds out about susan's death by calling up a friend because she wants to go performatively lay flowers on susan's tomb right. so she's not like like death is a very like yeah it's like performative grief manifest in a different right. way but like
1: doing it for instagram but that doesn't mean she's not doing it
0: to fit in with a certain aesthetic in her mind of who she is yeah we should briefly touch on marnie yes yes not we don't see her much in this episode but we see she's kind of going through this quarter life crisis like she's has this new wellness fixation she's working for ray at grumpy's really trying to make the best of it you see her like service with a smile she's really she's hanging it up and yeah yeah
1: and her whole speech when she's like you know you don't try anything you don't do anything it reminds me is it the office i think it's kelly kapoor on the office being like i think sometimes people just like to be mean to the hot popular girl
0: yes that's very marnie's energy in this episode she says fancy people want to work with me which is yeah what does
1: Demonstrably mean? not true because she's working not working for Ray.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think we're a few episodes out from like the gallery episode too. Like sure. I'm, oh my god, she it's just like a litany of little humiliations for her this season. Uh, but um, it and also then, does. Know... We're setting up the like Ray Marnie dalliance too, which is one of my least favorite
1: Damn.
2: girls plot lines. But oh well. <laughs>
1: I mean I I like it in the sense that I do think it's realistic in the sense that people who are dramatically terrible for each other often sleep together in Brooklyn but like hate it.
2: <laughs> I don't Like I do
1: feel like those people might end up sleeping together out of just like a lack of purpose or initiative but that doesn't
2: <laughs> Yeah. I guess I can buy that a little bit. I just like Marnie has such a I don't know she just has such like a guard up and such an idea of what her life is going to be like that like she kind of still continues even though she sinks like lower and lower every episode into like her own delusion like I have just never bought that she would ever see Ray as anything more than an obstacle to the life that she like thinks she deserves.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, we, we've all slept with some people out of self hatred which is sounds really mean to Ray. Let me just make wild galley about everyone. Um, But I like, I can see how Marnie would reach what to her feels like enough of a low point that she would get with Ray, even though I think Ray is far above Marnie and yes, yes. in many ways, but like I can see how to her, she'd be like, Oh, I'm like stooping. Yeah. You know, low, but I, 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 his motivation, I understand less other than that Marnie is
0: normatively hot i think they're both maybe in a place where they're not quite sure
2: where they're going
0: totally yeah it's the Option.
2: and they are in the same place every single day so like
0: yeah yeah that's what i mean people
1: the inevitability is not yeah. really romance it's just like hey we're both here
2: proximity Damn. exactly julia should we move on to our final segment
0: Yes, I, I think we should. We usually start with which girl are you in these episodes? As we teased earlier. Which girl, or just specifically of the four? Which character, which character are you
1: in yeah. these episodes? Um God. Um I feel like I would like to think that I'm Hannah in the birthday episode. Um, but I'm probably Hannah in the in the book in the book death episode. <laughs> because yeah she really a lot of a lot of evolution and devolution in two episodes dark but i do kind of relate to as i think anyone who has dealt with mental health stuff or just anyone might when when um caroline is like being put to bed after her freak out and i i don't want to be like this like i think there's so often so often in the aftermath of not necessarily a nude glass smashing incident but just not acting your best you're like oh other people are witnessing me like this and i hate this Mm -hmm. that was a weird moment of so maybe you know a blend of hannah laird and caroline i would say iconic trio
2: that's a great trio
1: sun moon rising
2: yeah i was definitely hannah through and through this episode which is a pretty rare Mm -hmm. identification for me but um both with the death of it all that i you know touched on earlier but also like I am also sort of weirdly a bystander at my own birthday parties like I love hosting in all other respects but like for birthday parties for whatever reason I'm happy to just let sit back and like see people mingle and like just be kind of like take in like being around like friends and family so I kind of felt similar to her in that respect.
0: I, honestly, maybe Ray requesting smashing pumpkins at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and then with your IPA. Angry. Yeah, and then, no, maybe, like, with a glass of wine, and then being angry when they skip in the middle. Yeah,
1: Honestly, I think I'm not giving myself credit for how much I am Marnie. Like, not in the Virgo energy way, but trying to force people to do karaoke is a real character flaw of mine. Mm-hmm. And it is because... I, you know, I've had knockdown drag out fights with my best friend about karaoke. So I'm like, my she never wants to do it and I always want to do it. So I get Marnie there. It's a rare humanizing moment for Marnie.
0: We should also cover this week's MVP and LVP.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna I mean MVP for me as it is most weeks was Shosh by default. Um totally she just didn't she i mean unlit cigarette aside like who of us has not been there um Mm -hmm. she did fine by just not being out of the way and like special shout out for her story about like her dead friend kelly um who died in a car accident and then left Shoshana as like the sole like funny confidant of the group um which was such a mercenary way to think about your friend dynamics but like she is someone who has really like her social understandings are shaped by tv so much and by sex in the city so much that like this i was like yeah this makes
1: this track like yeah yeah, i'm the yeah um julia you go for it because i'm thinking on my mvp
0: i'm trying to think um i think oh i think i have
1: mine go ahead um caroline for simply for the dance floor moment with ray obviously we do not want to stand in the bath our genitals out and smash a glass that is not mvp behavior but like you know you know when she's in town she's swooping yeah. in she's she's making your life a living hell but then she's like taking you and getting you a cup of tea and i there's something about that kind of insane off-kilter personality that does god all my friends are gonna be pissed about this but does speak to me like I feel kind of safe in other people's chaos sometimes.
0: I think I might agree with you Drew that Shosh is the MVP and then LVP is probably Marnie. Yeah. yeah. I feel a little tender towards
1: Marnie because of her sad her sad advocacy for her own music. <laughs> when I see it as you know what it reminds me of less the real princess diana than the last season of the crown version of princess diana who was like some reason always doing musical theater which i think Mm -hmm. was a thing with the real diana that she liked to dance and perform but i'm like there it is some it is i think if marnie admitted that about herself it would be very humanizing because there's something sweet and sad it's like a kid that wants to perform like i don't want to listen to it but i but i get it all the same Yeah. yeah yeah
2: last question last segment fit check what was your outfit of the week
1: Ooh, um birthday bitch hat uh, that is definitely from urban outfitters but is trying to look like it's from like I don't know fashion brand company I don't know if that was around then but
2: yeah absolutely. I 100% agree with you there I thought she looked like cray in a way that really spoke to my <laughs> spoke to me so
1: I when everyone at the birthday is like you could look like this every day if you wanted you look so and I'm like you know everyone fuck off like. yeah <laughs> so
0: cruel
2: so cruel
0: I think mine is probably Marnie's like Ann Taylor pencil dress that she wears because it's just so awful mm-hmm. and then maybe so awful. Caroline's big Mickey Mouse shirt that she wears too that's or a maybe good look jacket.
1: I mean, yeah. coded as things. I think Gabby Hoffman has never played a non queer coded character yeah um, and I, choose, you know, I love, I love the what transpires between her and Laird. But I'm like, there's mm-hmm. also a world in which where her her and Taco have a life together. I just I the main crime I can't forgive girls is that I got two episodes of Roberta It's Like, come on.
0: They could have really
1: used. That. Yeah. yeah,
2: I forgot that Taco was in two episodes at all, because the last yeah. time we talked about Taco was
1: bushwick yeah um
2: well, taco like is. opening the beer bottle with their teeth like
0: yeah <laughs> so oh funny. my god so also, good name taco is, i know yeah. but it taco. seems
1: like i can tell when it's someone thinks it's pronounced like taco yeah. <laughs> or uh, oh,
0: wait,
1: i know no, that it's it. someone pronounces it taco right yeah or mm. someone thinks it's
0: spelled with a c instead of a k that was a yeah. c yeah
1: <laughs> um i've become re-obsessed with Roberta the gossip around Hollywood, around I saw a tweet is that she's dating Kate Berlant. Yes. So I am, I am ready for a girl's comeback with with them at the center. Kate Berlant would be great on White Lotus. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I just saw her show in, and oh. strong agree. Wait, yeah. can I do a can I do a a celeb brag? Yeah. Yes,
2: please. It's not
1: really a brag, it's just a fun it's a spoiler for a story that's coming out probably next week. I just interviewed Connie Britton and oh I was like, Have God. you watched the new White Lotus? And she was like, I'm halfway through it. I was like, You're I didn't say this, but I was like, How are you halfway through the second season of a show that you were on?
0: That's so funny. That's so funny. I mean, that's such a humble brag. Like, she, she is she was so is, nice, dude.
1: And like sometimes <laughs> celebrities are always nice when you interview know that you will write about it if they don't. And I don't interview very big name celebrities very often, but like, she was like asking me how I was doing in the weather in Austin because she has a house here. And I was like, God damn it, Tammy Taylor. (laughs) Anyway, that's a whole different show.
2: Well, Emma, thank you so much for being here today. Thank Um, you. Well, I'll be on the lookout for the Connie story. And if you would like to be found on social media, where can you be found?
1: I can be found at, I guess, at Specter Emma on Instagram because my tweets are currently protected because I'm scared (laughs) (laughs) of just nothing in particular, just...